Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Take some time and just worship him, thank him. Let's give him praise, would you? Give him a good big clap off and love him. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. You know, I just sense a real refreshing. Thank you, worship team. I just uh, feel refreshed, don't you? There's a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you, we're living in such unusual and uncertain times. Uh, really, uh, it's like almost daily there's just weird stuff that we hear about. Uh, I, I think they're, uh, it's just weird. Anybody agree with me? It's just weird. Uh, we've, we are living through a, a time of a pandemic that was just weird and the and all of the outflow of that well, we've a lot of us have lost loved ones and others that have uh, been sick and many have recovered thank god and i thank god that things are improving uh, but what has happened in the last year year and a half is it has uh, brought a, uh, a real sense of uncertainty in so many people, and I just believe that as God's people, we can have a sense of certainty in uncertain times. And when things seem so weird and in our nation, throughout the, the world, and, and uh, inflation, and all of these things, you and I are going to have to make some decisions, and one of those things is, what are we going to say about these things? Am I, uh, there we are. What shall we say to these things? And so, uh, what we say about what's going on really is important. In fact, the Bible says what we say is so important that, that it can bring death or life. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That is a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? Very sobering statement and one that we shouldn't overlook. Uh, words bring death or life. And, and we see this, we know this from uh, the history of nations. Words spoken from nation to nation have caused great wars, haven't they? Uh, we know this from our own personal history. How many besides me have ever had your words get you into trouble? <clears throat> and just a word of advice to husbands, if your wife ever asks you if that dress makes her look fat, respond with only one word. One word will suffice. No. You don't have to add to that at all. You don't need to include that, no, it's not the dress. You don't, need to, you don't need to say things like that. Words are important. The, there are some 171,476 words in the English language. Now, that was... Uh, 
true until recently. It's probably has gone up there. Uh, people are creating new words all the time, aren't they? It's, that's kind of weird. But on the average, it's said that people speak 15,942 words a day. I was thinking about that, and so that probably works out if you're going to, if you're averaging, you know, between all people, that's probably about 100 words a day for men, and then 15,842,000 for women. Like I said, words can get you into trouble, <laughs> but as God's people, we do need to watch what we say. God knows that Preachers need to learn to watch what we say, don't we? Our words can hurt, they can offend, they can anger others, or they can bring healing, encourage, and comfort, and strengthen others. But this evening, what I really want to focus specifically on is what we say about the stuff that's going on in our life. The, uh, the, the things going on in our nation and world, uh, it seems almost impossible for us not to speak negatively about. All of us have things going on in our personal lives, don't we? Uh, we all have challenging circumstances and uh, challenging people in our lives. Don't look at anyone. How we respond to these things is important. What we say about the things going on in our lives makes a huge difference. And our text tonight is Romans 8 and verse 31. What shall we say? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What we say about things, and I want to read this verse again because it gives us such great perspective. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so this next statement is one of the most important of the entire message. I want you to hear it. We should always bring God into what we say about the things in our lives. Uh, this is critical for us. And I know that most of us would say, think, you know, that's right and agree with that, say amen and preach it, brother, and things like that. But how many of you know we may not always bring God into what we say about the things in our lives? Sometimes we may say all the wrong things about the, the things going on. Uh, we listen to the news and we are, feel compelled to comment. You know, the, there are so many things that's spoken about our, our nation, you know, our, and, and people have the opinion oh, our nation is, is going to hell in a wheelbarrow. You know, we need to really be careful uh, about speaking curses over the future of our nation. And I, I know I, I'm not uh, uh, saying that there are not great problems, uh, horrific, maybe even historical difficulties in our nation, but we need as God's people to speak rightly, not wrongly. We can speak wrongly about the things going on in our personal lives. Uh, if if uh, finances are tight, uh, 
Don't say I'm busted and disgusted. Uh, and please hear me. I'm not making fun or making light of anyone who is going through some financial struggles. I, I have been through some in, in my lifetime. There was a time early in ministry that I uh, upset some people in their work, that pioneer work that we were pastoring, and I made some comments and uh, was learning, you know, and, and people got mad, and there was a group uh, of people that had been in church for a long time, and they just didn't like some of the stuff, and so they just decided to hold back their tithe for about eight months. And it was tough. It wasn't like we were ha having a grand time before. And so there was an eight-month period where uh, I lived on popcorn and rice for about that period of time until we had revivals, and then we'd take the, you got to feed the evangelist, you know, and so revivals. So we had a lot of revivals. But I, and so I have been through uh, difficult times financially, but what we say during those times is very important. Paul himself, the apostle, had uh, times where things were tight financially. In Philippians 4, 12 and 13, he says, I know. Aren't you, isn't it good to look in God's Word and read about somebody who knows? I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. And so we can pick up on Paul's attitude here, can't we? Uh, he's saying, I could do all things through him. And he follows up in just a few verses after this with one of the greatest statements in God's Word of God's ability to help us and provide for us in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And somebody said, I believe it. This is Paul's attitude and confession. Where there is a need, there is a God who is able to meet those needs. And so it really does matter what we say about the things in our lives like needs. Because what we say about things can get us into trouble. In Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 6 and verse 2, it says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. All of us have experienced that. We have been snared by the words of our mouth before, haven't we? I was thinking about the 12 spies in the book of Numbers. Moses was sending 12 spies in. They had come through uh, the wilderness. They had been through some difficulty, but God had really done some fairly significant miracles up until that time. 
And if you've read through those uh, uh, portions of Scripture in Exodus and, and then through uh, the whole uh, bringing out of God's people out of Egypt, uh, I mean, God did some fairly significant miracles in Egypt, didn't He? Frogs and flies and lice and, and the Red Sea parting, and they came across on dry ground, water out of a rock, and, and food falling from heaven, and all of those things. And that was happening on a daily basis, that God was just making His presence known in a big way, and now they come up into the promised land, this is it. They're going to go into the land that God said flows with milk and honey, and no doubt they're excited. Uh, they're getting into the promised land happy about it. And so they get 12 guys together. Moses sends 12 spies in, spy out the land, and they come back with a, a report. And, and so the Bible calls it an evil report. Ten of them made an evil report. Two of them, they try to convince them otherwise, but, but ten of them brought back an evil report. And here it is in number, it's Numbers 23, 27 through 29. Then they told them and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And truly it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. They showed them some of the fruit that they had brought back. It was incredible. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, oh my, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. <clears throat> now, the Bible calls this an evil report. And this is significant because it didn't say it was a false report. It didn't say it was a pack of lies because there were giants in the land. And giants can be pretty intimidating. Now, I am six foot two inches tall, and so I look down on most people. Not in a bad way, but I, I'm taller than most people, so I'm usually, you know. And so occasionally, though, there's somebody who is taller, much taller than I am, and to look up at them after my experience of, of tilting my head the other way, not in a bad way, just because of, you know, uh, look, and it can be a little intimidating looking up at somebody that's so much larger. Well, the giants were huge. Now, they're varying... Uh, opinions and, and uh, speculations about how large these giants were, but one guy we know, the Bible gives the dimensions of his bed, which I think is kind of odd, but it does, and it says that this guy's bed was somewhere between uh, 12 feet and 13 feet long, and so he obviously needed a fairly large bed. Can we agree on that tonight? These giants were huge. And so what the ten spies said wasn't a lie. It was a fact. Giants. But what we say about things can get us into trouble, can't it? 
and what the ten spies said was a fact, but it wasn't the truth. There were giants in the land. They were big, they were bad, they were ugly, and that is a fact. But God has said, you can take the land that I'm giving you, and that was the truth. The ten spies told the facts, but they didn't tell the truth. And Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able to go in and take the land, but the people believed the the report from the other ten spies, and because of that, all of those adults' bodies fell in the wilderness. They never made it into the promised land, and the only two that did were Joshua and Caleb. The facts may not always be the truth. Some of us are here are old enough to remember Joe Friday from Dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. The fact may be that money is tight in our lives. The fact may be that we feel sick at a time. The fact may be that things in our nation are somewhat messed up, but there is always a truth from God's Word that trumps those facts. No pun intended. Well, partially intended, but you know what I mean. The Word of God is over those facts. Fact, money may be tight, but the truth is Matthew 6, 32 and 33, Jesus says, your heavenly Father, say my heavenly Father. He knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The fact is that sometimes Christians get sick, but the truth is Uh, In Exodus 15, verse 26, God says, I am the Lord who heals you. The fact is that things in our nation are kind of messed up, more than kind of messed up. But the truth is, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then while I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I love verse 15. I added this. Now my eyes, God saying, will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. I believe that word, don't you? I believe that that word is for us in this place tonight over our nation. In fact, I believe it so much I want to take a moment and I want us to pray over our nation. Would you just join? I'm just going to pray and you agree with me right now. Lord, we do come to you. We are your people. We have been called by your name. And we humble ourselves tonight before you. We seek your face. Lord, we repent of our wicked ways 
ways and the ways of our nation. We ask your forgiveness uh, over our nation and the sins uh, of our nation. Lord, uh, we believe that you hear from heaven. You forgive us uh, and that you heal our land. Oh God, Heavenly Father, heal our land. We believe tonight that your eyes are open and your ears are attentive to the prayer made in this place tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. We believe you. Healing of our nation land. We need to learn to speak the truth instead of just the facts. Don't we? We need to practice bringing God into the things that are going on in our world and in our lives. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? David went up against some big thing in his life, didn't he, when he went up against Goliath. All the other soldiers were uh, shaking in their boots because of this giant. David is just a, a little shepherd boy, but he brought God into what he said about that big, ugly giant, Goliath. And I want you to listen to the words here. The first are, are what Goliath says, and then uh, David responds by bringing God into his situation. 1 Samuel 17, 44 through 46, the Philistines said to David, come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, these are some of the most uh, courageous fascinating words to me of, of a challenge. David says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And God said, Amen. Amen. And David killed that giant with a rock and then took the giant's own sword and lopped his head off. And a tremendous victory was won that day. Why? Not because David was such an incredible, mighty warrior. He became that in his life and grew into that. But David was small. The giant was big. David was insignificant. The giant was anything, I mean, beyond significant. He was huge. But David brought that big problem into God, God brought God into that big problem and took care of the issue. What we speak in the midst of things going on in our life is so important. It didn't matter how big Goliath was. It mattered how big God was. And he's still that God today, isn't he? We need to bring God into the circumstances of our life that are troubling because he's a big God. Somebody once posed the rhetorical question. It was kind of a 
rhetorical. I think it was rhetorical, but I'm going to respond to it anyway. Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Yes, he can. And then he can turn around and lift it if he wants to. Because he's a big God. When we come against something big in our life, we need to bring God into what we say about that. And it really does make a difference. It matters what we say. See, a lot of times we excuse ourselves by the things that we say uh, by saying, well, I, you know, I just need to blow off some steam. I just need to let it out. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I know I can, it sounds kind of negative and, and uh, maybe sarcastic, but I just need that outlet. But listen, the, that outlet and that blowing off steam can damage us. In Mark, or I'm sorry, 11, verse 22 and 23, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. He says, and so a question we really ought to ask ourselves sometimes is, do we really want to have whatever we say? You know, we can talk such trash and such negative stuff uh, that we need to be careful about what we speak. We don't necessarily want everything that we say, but we need to learn to say what God says about things, and this is what confession is all about. The positive confession, the confession, the things that we speak. In Hebrews 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so our confession should be full of hope because it's based on the faithfulness of God. And everybody said, amen. The word confession, as it's used in the New Testament, means to say the same thing as. And we need to learn to say the same thing that God says about the things that are going on in our lives. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God has a lot to say about the things going on in our lives. And they are things that are full of promise, full of hope, full of encouragement, full of strength. His word tonight is full of good things to say about the big, the bad, and the ugly that we may be facing. Amen. And I want to read that, the, those verses again of what Jesus said in Mark 11. Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Amen. Now, I want healing and good health, don't you? Amen. If we are going to have whatever we say, then we ought to talk healthier. Romans 8.11 gives us a good example of this. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised Christ 
from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so we ought to say the same thing as God says. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and is giving life to my mortal body. We need to receive His life tonight in our mortal bodies. Everybody here, I I want you to say this with me. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And He is giving life to my mortal body. I am whole in Jesus' name. That's good. That's a good confession. That is, we need to begin to speak things. See, and, and the reality, it's so uh, challenging when we're facing a health issue not to just constantly speak about that issue. And I'm not saying never talk about it. I'm not saying don't get prayer for it. I'm not saying any of that. But if we only speak negatively about the negative circumstances, then the results may only be negative. And we need to bring God into those circumstances, into the worst of the circumstances of our life because He cares, He loves, and He gives life. We have a good God, don't we? We need to say it more. In Psalm 119, verse 68 I love this. He says, you are good and do good. You and I need to talk more about the goodness of God. It will help convince us. Now, listen, God is good whether we say it or not because that's who He is. It's who He is. He is good and He does good. But if we say it more and speak it, His Word, you know, we'll begin to believe it more. God is good and does good to me. You know why? Because it's who He is. And then Psalm 56 and verse 3 and 4 says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. You know, all of us here tonight are facing and face circumstances often that can be intimidating and and make us fearful and afraid And we need to learn to bring God into those circumstances that intimidate us or make us afraid. And he says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Now, when the psalmist is writing, I will praise his word, he's not talking about standing over our Bible and clapping our hands and saying, oh, I praise His Word, I praise. But he's saying, bringing God's Word into the midst of our difficulties, praising His Word, or listen, elevating His Word over those circumstances. And you know what will happen? It will begin to calm those fears and that sense of intimidation. When we use God's Word to address the circumstances in our life, we'll have a lot more peace. Now tell yourself, peace, be still. We need to begin to bring God more and more and more into the circumstances of our life because we are living in uncertain times. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous 
times shall come. I believe that we are living in the last days. I believe that we are living in the midst of perilous times. There are things on the horizon that could be even more intimidating unless we bring God into them. And in the midst of our lives, in the midst of circumstances, as we trust in Him, as we bring God into those circumstances, who can be against us? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What a tremendous word from God. I believe it, don't you? Let's bow our heads tonight close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and the power of your word, the reality of your word. Your word is more real than any of the circumstances going on in our life. It is through your word that you created all things, Lord, and we thank you for the power, the creative power of your word tonight. And Lord, we will bring your word and you into the circumstances of our life and trust in you and not be afraid. Tonight, as, as our heads are bowed and no one looking around, if you're viewing online or listening online, if you have never given your life to Christ or if you're away from him, one of the, the great things that you can say along with God, bringing God into your circumstances, a circumstance of your failure and sin, the greatest miracle that any of us can ever experience is his forgiveness of our sins and coming into our lives. There's nothing that rivals that. And that's the beginning of our real life. And so if you're here, you've never given your life to Christ or you have at one time, you're away from him and you'd like to be remembered for forgiveness in this uh, closing prayer, would you just, as no one's looking around for a moment, just lift your hand and just say, would you remember me in prayer? This is, that's my need tonight. Praise God. Praise God. You that are home, if you just repeat this prayer with us, and let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could know you. Thank you for your forgiveness I receive tonight. And Lord, help me to remember to bring you into the circumstances of my life. I will trust in you and not be afraid. If you were for me, who can be against me? Thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. Would you give the Lord a big clap and thank Him? Thank you for it, Lord. Praise God. Well, that's all I have to say tonight at this period of time. But I can tell you, next time I stand up here, I'll have something more to say. Amen. God bless you guys. Be friendly with each other. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.